You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 201, God Lives Underwater. Hosted by Dan Terry. I don't like driving all the way to California and then getting paid in pizza. Jeff Kane. <laughs> yeah, good luck in trying to spell all that shit. <laughs> and Joseph Wren. One more time for the ladies and the dudes. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if your version of contactless delivery is having dolphins and fish do the work for you, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. That is Jeff. Gentlemen, we're back. Yeah, we're back. I'm excited. Back in Seattle again. When you said uh, delivery by dolphins, all I thought was... Uh, so long and thanks for all the fish. That, that's that's where my brain went. I was thinking Who of said Aquaman. It had to come to this. Yeah, <laughs> <I know. laughs> uh, people have said that to me way too many times in my life. Like Dan, I'm sorry. Like I'm, I'm so sorry it's come to this, but this is just uh, this is how it th- this is how it had to end. This, this is all a result of decisions that you've made, poor decisions, and I'm sorry it had to end like this. And then I pack up all my stuff and I leave. So that's sad. Industrial December 2020 comes to an end another podcast filled year closing with god lives underwater starting our next centennial series of podcasts if you want to call it that with jeff's probably number two band he's mentioned more than any other that he wants to talk about yes. here we go guys definitely a number two band that's for sure oh fuck you <laughs> oh dude so I'm guessing you don't like anything Rick Rubin has touched then, huh? Uh, you know, I'm not the biggest Rick Rubin fan, but didn't he produce Rain and Blood? Everything so, American Recording. Okay, yep. yeah, yeah. Okay. So then, that yeah. means Johnny Cash. Like, uh, System of a Down. Black they Sabbath. On American? 13. Was System of a Down on American? Yes, they probably were. Probably not. I don't know. I, I guess I should probably know these things. I'm yeah, like, I'm Discuss Metal Dan, but could not discuss my way out of a paper bag. <laughs> I'm Dig- Discuss Metal Dan and can't discuss metal. That's... Well, see, I have Discuss Metal Jeff, and I absolutely cannot discuss metal. That's why we're listening to an industrial rock band tonight. This yeah. was so 90s groove most of the time. I had so much fun listening to this. It reminds me of 1996. I feel like the Romeo and Juliet film is about to come out, and this is what the radio sounds like. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, it's uh, they're dated. I mean, I'm not going to lie. They are not the uh, the most uh, current band. <laughs> I know some stuff, you know, uh, ages better than others. And I think if you don't have the love uh, originally, like I did, kind of like a, a crappy 80s movie. I mean, you loved it when you were a kid. But if you're seeing it for the first time in 2020, you're going to look at it and go, what the fuck is this? You, th- you think this is good? And I turn around and look at him like, fuck, yeah, the Goonies are fucking awesome. Hang on and a that's second. Kinda... Just because the Goonies was made in the 80s does not make it an 80s movie. There well, are I'd... some shitty 80s movies that were released on VHS, and I love them. Shout out to Across the Tracks. It's the Brad Pitt movie you've never seen. Like all the ones I have on my shelf back here? Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oof. You know, God Lives Underwater did not actually sound as much like I thought that they would as I thought that they did, if that makes sense. So uh, once upon what a time, were you expecting then? 
Uh, I wasn't entirely sure. So, uh, and okay. we'll get in, we'll get into this whenever we actually go album by album. But one of the things that I thought was very interesting is that Jeff has been trying to sell me on this band for probably God. Has it been this long? Like the last ten years? Yeah, it's been like ten years. years. Ten years. Yeah, like it is. Um, it is one of those things where I went into the game store a long time ago. And what originally happened is Jeff and I's relationship began as a customer, customer service rep sort of relationship. Customer um, service manager. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you, you were no more manager at that game store than I was. Come on now. Like, <laughs> the, fact that there, the fact that there's only a... Uh, <laughs> The fact that there, the fact that there's, you know, only an owner and then another guy does not automatically make you the manager. Okay, that speak for yourself. When I was there, I actually had like a bunch of high school lackeys. Shout out to Sean. He definitely Jim, did. Yeah, Sean. Sean's awesome, man. I see Sean every day now. It's really nice. But that's we're not here to talk about that. Yeah. What we are here to talk about is uh, God lives underwater. And so, you know, I used to just buy games from Jeff, and then eventually. You know, we started discussing music. It was meant to be like a hundred percent. And uh, so he starts pulling up YouTube, and we would stand there for hours out of the day, and and he would pull up this YouTube band and this band and this band and this band, and he kept always coming back to God Lives Underwater. So it's not it's not that I never like it's not that I never got to hear them, but I think a lot of the stuff that you played for me was either off of their first EP or their first album. And as they're as they progress, they start sounding less like that. And oh, that's, that's uh, so it's it's an interesting it's kind of an interesting uh, musical arc, you know, that, that, that they go through and they're in their uh, tragically kind of short career. So, um, yeah. So let's uh, let's do it, guys. Let's let's do it. Let's do the damn thing. Let's do it. Do it. Well, before Jeff talks about dated bands and calls them timeless, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, twitch.tv forward slash discussmetaldan. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. Well, we do enjoy our five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. Uh, don't have one to read for you because everybody has literally abandoned me, and I'm now very, very, very sad about it. I'm just kidding. Uh, reviews are great. Leave us a review anywhere you can leave us one. Uh, if not, click the little contact us button on whatever app you're using and be like, why can't I rate discography discussion? It's literally my only goal in life. Uh, so definitely check that out. Uh, keep sharing the episodes, guys. I love it when you guys share episodes. It's incredible. It makes me super, super happy whenever you guys do that, because I'm going to just be real with you right now. It's less work for me. It is so much less work for me. So I appreciate all the hard work that you guys are doing. And uh, another great thing too, um, you know, we we have been doing uh, Twitch streams. We've been we've been uh, up to this point, uh, including this episode. We've done two live uh, Twitch streams uh, where you guys can actually watch us do a episode live. And I think what's cool about that is number one, it's live. You can ask us questions and stuff during the episodes, uh, and we'll take dedicated Twitch breaks in order to answer those questions. But uh, the other cool thing is you get to hear an episode sometimes two, three weeks before anybody else does. But it's a pretty short window. So if you're not here to see a live, 
um, I'm going to be a jerk and delete the video when we're done. And then you have to wait. Nobody likes to wait. Nobody likes to wait. So if you want to make sure to catch all that stuff, make sure to hit that follow button and uh, you won't miss any of the live events we do. Uh, so yeah, check check all of that stuff out. Joe, Joe's going to have so many show notes with so many incredible links. So check those out as well. Yeah, speaking of uh, of Twitch and catching it early, John. Yes, I I do feel that my hair looks like the the bad guy from every '90s sitcom. That's that's kind of where I'm going. It, it, I'm in my tweener stage as I grow it out. So yes, it I got it like hooked behind the ears and everything, just like a all those terrible '90s sitcoms. So yeah, a hundred percent. Well, I guess we're taking a dedicated Twitch break. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I don't know how this works yet. I'm supposed to make the T, right? To the hand signal. Like we're going to stop and do. Is that I'm how we're doing it. this? I just made that up. I don't know. The T could be for Terry or Tiamat or anything, really. So TMI. Yeah, TMI. Probably, yeah, the T for me would be TMI. For me right now, everything's BMI. I got to I got to figure out how to how to how to fix my BMI. That's that's my goal right now. See, I thought I was successfully losing weight. Then I shaved and then I realized that I had like 19 chins down here and they just hang there like uh, like that goblin in uh, in Peter Jackson's The Hobbit, you know, where they were. They yeah. So like I got to get a uh, I got to get a uh, I got to do a thing. I got I to fix it, guys. Yeah, you it's called. Help it, me get, you guys got to help me get my BMI up or down. Uh, the bowel movement index. Yes. More fiber. All right. Well, I'm just going to go back to eating only cans of corn. <laughs> it seems to be the only way to get through it. <laughs> but all right. That uh, dedicated Twitch break. I am not going to read half of the stuff that John Beatty is saying because it's simply untrue. Everybody loves a beardless Dan. You just don't know. And you're super jealous. I also enjoyed the entire conversation of uh, whenever John piped in and was all like, is this real Jeff or a hologram? <laughs> in which case, Joe goes deep fake for days. <laughs> It actually does. It actually does like like because your camera quality is like uh, is different. Really than shitty. Our, I said different. I was very <laughs> different. Shitty. Same difference. I, I use the word different. OK, it works. But, uh, you know, it does absolutely look like uh, it, it does absolutely look like a deep fake. Like now that I'm looking, like there's some, something about the lighting where, you know, and Jeff's erratic movements. But that's just the way he moves. Yeah. So like. <laughs> <laughs> but I guarantee, I guarantee you, we have the voice down. Yeah, there, it's not like I don't shut up. So you have plenty thing, uh, plenty uh, <laughs> of audio to sample from. Well, you're gonna do a lot of talking tonight, so uh, let's let's get into it, boys. Hot damn! So Dan, tell me about God lives underwater. Well, I'm gonna let Jeff tell you about God lives underwater. They are a, his thing. Yeah, they're a band from outside of Philly, Pennsylvania. I think it's called uh, Perkeomanville. If I'm saying that right, I don't know. If you, any of those Philly people out there, they can tell me if I'm doing it right. I mean, your guess is as good as mine. Yeah, it, it, it's essentially it's a two man group. Yeah, there's a couple other guys in it, but it's mostly Jeff Terzo and Dave Riley. And uh, those guys have been my fucking heroes for a long time. Uh, I this band, believe it or not, their EP was the first CD that I bought with my very own money. I mean, that's that's how much this band means to me. I mean, so it, for yes, it's got a special place in my heart because of, you know, the the past uh, of it. But they're a, kind of a, an industrial rock band. Uh, some might say, you know, like a, like a electronic techno 
band, uh, rock band, but I'd say it's more industrial than anything else. They, as they get further under the career, they sample more. It's actually less polished, I think, as they go along, uh, and they really start to experiment. But yeah, these these guys are, uh, you know, kind of overlooked, and uh, I'm hoping we can sh- shed some light on them tonight, so we can get a uh, they can get their proper props. I know I've heard this band before. But I admit they blended in with all the other 90s electronic influenced artists that were on the radio locally here, 1057, 1041 at one point. It all kind of blended together. This is when the Europop started to invade the pop music over here. And that was a good thing. It was very simple. It was a different type of electronic influenced music. There was a lot of old school DJ approach to it. A lot of drum beat plus music. And I've listened to the band before, but listening to them this week, I wonder why I haven't been listening to them more. And I can only say that they blended in. And that's my fault. I should have been paying better attention. I I don't think it's your fault. I mean, it is. uh, They do have a bit of a dime a dozen kind of feel to them musically. For me, what what really drew me in was the harmonized vocals. It was kind of like if uh, what would happen if Allison Allison Chains was a stripped down industrial band. That's kind of that's kind of how I felt. Granted, uh, Dave, David Riley has a, a fairly unique voice. He's you know I'm not saying that he is Lane Staley. He couldn't hold Lane Lane Staley's jack jackstrap, just like most other rock musicians out there. I mean that dude was pretty talented. But the you know a similar concept to the harmonized vocals, uh, especially how haunting and you know because it was a lot of minor stuff in there. That's that's really what did it for me and why uh, I loved it so much because I loved Alice in Chains and this was kind of like I love because I also loved you know stuff like Nine Inch Nails. So I was like, oh dude, this is like basic basic bitch Nine Inch Nails with you know Alice in Chains vocals, and I'm like. I'm in. I'm 100% in. I was sold. Got that major minor thing going on. Yeah. Yeah. I really fucking loved it, man. It was it was very, very cool. And uh, that's for me what set them apart uh, more than a lot of the other industrial bands was uh, how they did their their vocal mixes just really drew me in. And and the, the interesting thing is the way that they did it. If you're, you're somebody who likes to harmonize yourself, it's so easy to find additional harmonies that you can sing along with them uh, with your own harmony and, and harmonize with them. And that really, I just fucking loved it. All right. Well, real quick, are, are we going to talk about the EP? Because I really want to talk about the EP. You can talk about the EP. Um, all I have to add to that conversation you guys had was that the only time I, the first time I heard God Lives Underwater was just with Jeff, basically. And uh, he said, <laughs> oh, they're so, so great. And at the time, this might be kind of shocking for you guys, but uh, I <laughs> 100,000% was like really into Grindcore that month. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to give you a hint. Every month is grindcore month. But <laughs> uh, so like when I heard God, God lives underwater, I'm like, oh, cool. You know, a lot of the bands that he showed me today were hits, but this one was kind of a miss. Uh, so, you know, we, we, you know, yeah, I definitely would have, would have probably been like, yeah, but have you heard Zayo, which I think was part of that conversation. But I do think that it was interesting. I thought it was weird hearing kind of this because like grungy rock, which is kind of what this was, um, like grungy, you know, uh, stripped down rock music 
especially in the early 90s, had this aesthetic where it wanted to be as simple as possible and sound as much like the band was playing in a garage as possible, right? So that that for me stood out that they had electronics on top of that type of sound because it almost, it almost like at first, my initial impression was that this contrasts way too much. The electronics contrast with the music a little bit too much. And, um, you know, not to spoil anything, but I definitely feel that way uh, about a lot of um, <laughs> about a lot of this stuff. Okay, Jeff, which came first, the EP or the album? Uh, the EP was recorded in 1993, I believe. So that was first. And it got re-released in 1995 with uh, the same year that MT was put out. So in other words, the EP, I guess it, it, you could get it on the local scene. Uh, but it was uh, re-released on American, uh, so that way you can uh, you could actually get it uh, nationwide, and I did. I mean, in 1995, uh, I absolutely bought the the EP as soon as I could, and it was it was magic for me, man. I, I don't know I don't know how else I can put it. I, I'll give you an example of how big of a fan I was of this EP. Driving from St. Louis to Denver, Colorado is approximately a thousand mile trip. I didn't listen to anything else for the entire trip from St. Louis to Denver, except for this EP in 1995. Over That's... and over and over and over. Well, this band's albums are so long that, um, you know, I'm sure that, you know, you only listen to it one time, one time there and one time back. I said EP. That's how I remember it. So the CD that I have that I have of the first album includes the EP. Oh, okay. I was gonna say so the it, EP. it turns into a very. I'm like extended play, indeed. Yeah, their EP. the The first EP is like 25 minutes long. It, it, it's not long at all. Yeah. So literally, just think about that: a thousand miles, 25 minutes at a time. Repeat. Please repeat. tell me you were alone, because if if you, somebody was with you, they would have wanted to kill you. Oh no! I was in the car with my parents, and I had a Walkman. And, got it. Walkman and headphones. So yeah, Walkman headphones and Legos and a Game Boy. Because wait you know, a second, hey, you're building Legos in the back of a car? Fuck yeah, I am. How does it stay together? I was really good. I don't know. <laughs> I, Wait like a minute. You're not one of those people that glues their Legos yeah, together. Yeah, I was, I was getting you? ready to say that. I was like in, in the, uh, I use super glue. <laughs> that's that's not cool, man. That's No, I'm, te- you know, because GLU, that's the nickname for, yeah, I mean, the weird thing about this EP for me was number one, I always thought that it was just part of the album because like you'd recommended the band to me several times uh, before, you know? And uh, so whenever I saw the CD, like a Goodwill for like two bucks or whatever, I was like, all right, Jeff, I'll take the plunge. You know what I mean? And so uh, I just remember it being a very, very, very long drawn out record, but not uh, not one without value. And so it wasn't until we did this episode that I realized that it's not, it's not in fact a gigantic record that is just here just to destroy all hope. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's just they combined the EP and the record, which actually makes a lot of sense. I would probably actually listen to more EPs if they did that. Yeah, the, the EP itself was the ending track for me. I mean, like the one that set him on, you know, set him a fire, made everybody pay attention to God Loves Underwater was No More Love, which is cool, but waste of time fuck was that good that was so so good at least the, i liked all six songs on there 
but wasted time was just amazing for me. Oh, and the other thing too, that just, I, I have to throw this out there. Uh, that's totally got me stoked was the fact that it ended up on the Johnny mnemonic soundtrack. Like, how how more '90s crap can you get than Johnny Mnemonic? Weren't they also on a uh, on a Mortal Kombat soundtrack? That it was yeah. like it wasn't the main Mortal Kombat one. No, uh, it, it was uh, one of their deleted tracks uh, ended up uh, on the Mortal Kombat. And then the other thing that was freaking awesome to me was they did a cover of one of my favorite. Uh, uh, David Bowie songs in Fame, and that ended up on. Oh gosh, I can't remember which. It was on another soundtrack. Damn it, and I can't freaking remain remember it. Oh well. Um. So let's talk about this first record. 1995, Empty. So empty. So this is this is where they were discovered. Like off of the EP, they were discovered by Rick Rubin. If I'm right in my timeline. Yes. Yes. So they recorded the EP, and then. Uh, yeah, so he he they recorded the EP and then Rick Rubin discovered the band. And as Rick Rubin typically does, he's like, "Yes, this is it. This is going to be the next big thing." And then it's not. So it's 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 super weird like in that regard. So this is the this is probably the God Lives Underwater record that I like the least. And the reason for that is mainly because they are they're their most dry radio rock here, at least at least for that year. They are, and I say dry radio rock, even though there are tons, there's tons of programming and there's tons of electronic influences all over it. But it's not what I was expecting in the sense of it being an industrial rock band because I don't really see it as um, I don't really see I don't really get the industrial part out of it. I don't really have. Well, what I hear more more than industrial is a radio rock band, and then there's a guy that went in and just slathered a whole bunch of electronics all over it. I don't feel yeah, like this, the electronics are part of the songwriting. Yeah, this is... Uh, you can tell that there is a Rick Rubin touch. You know, there's a professional pr- producer. They're kind of bass backwards. They started really polished and they started go they went the opposite direction they got real uh experimental and creative on the album after this but you're right you know this is this is the industrial quote-unquote industrial version of of butt rock i mean it, it really is and i am okay with it uh personally you know there's some really good songs on here but you know i think the ep is better than uh and the album, if you ask me personally, I like the, the the six songs from the EP more than I like the 11 songs from Empty. So the self-titled EP, I actually think is better than this. I would agree with that because like when I was listening to it all as one giant album, I even wrote down in my notes for this episode that I was like, back half is a lot stronger or like last half is stronger than the first half. And then you and realize that it was the EP. Correct. Yeah. So like yep. that, that was kind of kind of what I went into it thinking um, I don't really I don't really like their more upbeat stuff on this record uh, for some reason it just comes across as almost like because like really saying that it's butt rock is almost giving it too much credit like butt rock is significantly heavier than what this actually is at times and I realize it was the 90s but like again I hate to make this comparison but if you compare it to an Allison Chains it sounds like a it sounds like a radio like if you took the electronics out completely it would sound like a radio pop version of Allison Chains who was already on the radio <laughs> you know um, right 
And so it, it it comes off to me as a little bit light. So this is the part of the episode where I become a total meathead and be like, well, it just wasn't heavy enough to meet my satisfactory. But when these guys go dark and moody, then they're much more on par with an Allison Chains. With the types and the electronics actually are able to enhance that darker mood. Right. And I think that's the reason why the first DP uh, was better. But the back half, just like Weekend, Tortoise, Scared, those three tracks, I think, you know, uh, they've. If you took those three tracks and put them with the EP and made it in a full album, I think that would be a way better album, personally. Although, like, I, I love All Wrong as, as well. I think that's a fantastic track, um, mainly because the, the harmonies and the vocals on that one are just fucking killer. That's, that's, that's vocally speaking, that's one of the more solid tracks on this album. But you're right. I mean, it's it's... it's some pretty basic shit. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, but so was pretty much everything else coming out in the nineties. You know, this is, it's a product of the times, you know, this is one of those albums that you can point at and say, okay, yeah, that probably came from the middle nineties, didn't it? And the answer is absolutely. Well, understandably though, like just because it's not my cup of tea doesn't make it bad. I don't think that these songs are bad. Um, I think that the electronics could have been incorporated into the actual songwriting a little bit better because I think there's times where they actually do clash uh, with the overall sound. And maybe that's an intentional choice by the band to be like more discordant or to be more unpredictable or or whatever. Um, But looking at the way they wrote songs on this record, it doesn't sound like they're trying to like piss people off or be like, you know, uh, hard rockers or anything. Um, it's more just like I feel I do feel like the band sat there in a garage and wrote all the songs and then all the programming and stuff was added later. And I could be wrong about that, but that's just the way it sounds. No, I think you're pretty damn close on that because I think that's pretty much what happened. Yeah. Uh, and on this record, on this record. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's because they wrote everything and then they had an engineer and a producer come in and help them with everything. So yeah, the, the late, what was layered in just doesn't quite fit uh, like it does on the next album. In my opinion, I think the next album is beyond a hidden gem. And just personally speaking, if you take out the electronics, this sounds like every 90s band that wasn't Alice in Chains or Nirvana. I'm talking Soul Asylum. I'm talking the old school silver chair, the one that everybody liked to point the finger at and say, you're just ripping off Nirvana. Cosmetically, it sounds like that. This is on American recordings. There are nothing but electronics and direct recorded guitars. So this is the rock version the radio rock version of what Nine Inch Nails was doing. Cosmetically, it sounds like that. It has those electronic European influences with the beats that they choose, but the guitars sound like another band. It's unique in that way, but it's also not standing out over anything else. I think if I knew about this record in 1995, it would be on the shelf, but I'm not hearing one thing that makes me say, this band is the band you should have been listening to at that time. Not those other bands that were doing the same melodic rock thing. Well, that's, it, 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 you're, you're right. Uh, if you were to pick something from them, you know, in the mid nineties and say, okay, 
what sets these guys apart. It's the EP. It's not the album, you know, and I keep saying that, uh, but I truly believe it. Uh, I I think that first EP just, uh, you know, I thought it was amazing. I mean, what else? I mean, what else? Yeah, so so did Rick Rubin, you know? (laughs) Yeah, you know, the problem, but I think that was the problem is, is that uh, you can tell that there's somebody else's fingers in that pie, you know? I, yeah. I don't. I, there's just something else, you know. They kind of if you, you put your finger on it, you're like this one, this isn't quite right. And I, I think that is uh, the fact that you have this this seminal world class producer uh, who has worked with some of the biggest names in the business ever. It, it, you don't tell that guy no. You know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You absolutely do not. And, um, and I think that's I think that's actually a really big part of it. I. I think that you have two guys that have written something and you have, you know, God that's coming and says, well, it needs to sound like this. And that might be the case. That might not be the case. But I kind of get that feeling on this. I still like it. Uh, I'm sure I like it more than what Dan or Joe do, especially, you know, especially Dan from what he's had to say on it, considering he says it's his least favorite album. But yeah, I I still love it. I'd still give it an eight out of 10 personally, but uh, the EP, I gave a 10 out of 10. Let me be clear. Uh, no matter how nineties it sounds, I like this album. Yeah. I like it because it sounds nineties. Uh, that's me personally. I like that sound. It, it, you know, I, maybe that's the old man in me coming out, loving, you know, the, the nineties feel because, you know, to me that's important because that was my, you know, teenage years was the early nineties. So to me, it's special because that that re- represents, you know, a time in my life where I, you know, it, it allowed me to get away. Their music uh, allowed me to get away. And I actually paid scarily paid attention to their lyrics. Uh, so I'd really like to uh, get into uh, the next album because holy shit, you want to talk about lyrics and how guys were having some rough goes, man. Life in the so-called space age. 1998. This is what would have made me a fan if I had heard this first. This is absolutely... So, like, everything that we complained about on the last record is essentially, like, the band felt the same way. Uh, Because this... uh, So, a lot of my complaints that I had, like, how it just sounds like regular rock with some electronics thrown in. On this record, the electronics are the focus and the songs are the songs are more or less built around it. There's a lot more experimentation in the actual song craft itself here. These songs don't follow a generic uh, verse, chorus, verse and the overall mood and attitude and atmosphere. There's nothing light about this. This is a very emotionally heavy album and it's kind of super dark. It's it's less uh, it's less, you know, Depeche Mode and more um, stabbing westward. Yeah, I would. I was actually <laughs> gonna say stabbing westward as well. Uh, as far as like uh, lyrically dark, I mean, it is really, really dark. And I tell you what, I mean, I I know that at this time David Riley was having some substance abuse issues, uh, and I, you know, especially on like the rush is loud. I think that's the one that really drives it home for me. Yeah. I mean, he, 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 listening to those lyrics, whoa. I mean, and then the play on words that he would mix in when you're not sure. Was he saying the rush is loud or was he saying the Russian cloud? And yeah, I I was actually, so I was at work this morning working uh, working on a machine uh, listening and, and I was like, and I was singing it kind of along the way and I was saying Russian cloud. That's you know? because he does say that 
like uh, there's one, at least one time whenever he says it, he does 100% say Russian cloud. I mean, because he's trying to, he's he's playing double entendres and, and just kind of fucking with your head, talking about, you know, you know, how essentially, you know, equating, you know, drugs to like, you know, a Chernobyl uh, happening. You know, that's right. essentially what he's saying. You know, it's just like, you know, the rush is loud. But it's like a you know it's it's a Russian cloud. I mean that's this nuclear cloud that just kind of you know mushroom cloud that went up. So that's, now we're doing the dark gothic industrial thing. It's less oh, about heart. the rock and more about the I feel terrible today. Don't you? Well, I, I think this is what they always wanted to do. You will. I I think this is like them. You know you know having carte blanche and kind of being able to do whatever they wanted to do. The one thing, you know, that, that you know, the, it, it's always the same thing, too. It's really interesting. The lightest song on here, of course, is what got the radio play. And and that is From Your Mouth. Yeah. But Do you remember the video for this song? That's actually where I'm getting ready to go. It is yeah. a fantastic fucking video. I still pull it up for people today, you know, even though it's, you know, three, you know, it's not even 480p. I mean, it's it's like 240 or something like that. But, you know, essentially the whole idea of the video and everybody who's listening, 100% recommend you checking it out on YouTube when you get a chance. Uh, it's essentially it's a competitive eater. It, it, he, this guy was the predecessor to Takeru Koyashi, who in turn was the predecessor to Joey Chestnut, you know, for like world famous eaters. I can't remember this dude's name to save my life, though. But it's like showing him eating like a seven course meal and yeah. the entire thing goes in reverse. So it's literally watching him you know, food's coming from his mouth. Out of his he's face, actually, yeah. yeah, he's pulling it out of his mouth and he's doing it with like chicken and ice cream cones and watermelon. And people are either fascinated by it or think it's one of the most disgusting videos they've ever seen. Definitely not completely turned on. I mean, that would just be... <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, no, you like sticking stuff in your mouth. We understand, Dan. Okay, fair enough. But I, I do think that, uh, yeah, I thought that I thought that this, uh, and I actually like uh, this. I like the cover of the single. There's a single version release where it just has a, a, a from your mouth, and it has a, uh, it has a woman on there, and it's just like blue paint. Oh, that uh, coming out of her mouth, and that, that, that's the, that's the remix from like 2004. I thought it was a single. No, the. Did they re oh, you know what? That's that they I'm, did remix that because yep. they put that out kind of in turn because as we're going to get into on the next record, uh, the, the band had essentially broken up before their album even got to come out. But yeah, that was that was that was crazy. Like, yeah, it was, in it was, my mind. yeah, it was a fantastic. It was a fantastic music video. But no, I mean, like, I, I think really once you hit uh, uh, behavior modification forward, I, I mean, it's almost like you, you have walked off a, a cliff into, you know, straight into the abyss. I mean, especially lyrically speaking. God, does it get dark? I, mean, I had to turn it off like that. That was like when I was working because it was kind of starting to bum me out while I was working. And I was like, I got to get this. I got to get this a little bit high, a little bit more uh, high speed. You know what I mean? I think this is absolutely their finest work. Uh, Wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, like hands down, this is this is exactly what the band is. This is what you're imagining in your head when somebody's trying to describe this band to you verbally. 
which is more or less what we're trying to do. Um, so it, it is absolutely one of the coolest scenarios to be in um, because your your imagination is is going to actually match up to what your um, it is going to actually match up to what your expectation is. Yeah, and somebody, it's ahead, very that that never that never happens for me. You know, a band bands. I, I'm never able to imagine or predict what a band actually sounds like based on a verbal description. And this is absolutely um, so in line with kind of the more darker uh, electronic influenced music that was coming out in rock at that time. Because um, 1998, now you are in the realm of a stabbing westward and, um, you know, a Nine Inch Nails and stuff like that. It, it's like, it's almost like they put the first record out and was like, you know what? I don't think this is our audience. There are certain qualities to a 90s electronic record that you do not hear today. Simple things like what sample set did they have? What did the drums sound like? Did they have somebody scratching records or are they using a sound pack? You don't yeah. hear the dry recording that you used to hear. And in 1998, yes, this is using all of those tricks, but it sounds like the 90s. It sounds like they have no reverb in sight, something that you really only notice when you're listening to a cake record or the really old school American recordings albums. And then they're doing the God Lives Underwater, Alice in Chains melodic thing. That becomes very dark and it's not a pretty picture that they're painting. No, and here, here's my theory on why this record sounds the way that it does. Talking about American recordings and Rick Rubin specifically, uh, his approach was always dry. Let's take the cool thing that you did and let's strip it down. You know, let's make it more organic. And I think that stripped down kind of more dry sound that they produced on that first record. I don't necessarily know if that's the direction the band themselves wanted to go in. And you can, again, listen to the EP for kind of confirmation of that, that the, the, that the EP was almost a little bit more like this than it was the, the first record. Um, and I think that, you know, a couple of years went by and the sales dictated that the band was correct, uh, you know, in their original, you know, imagine that the band that's making the music actually knows more than the person that's producing the music. What a concept, you know, um, now granted in cases of bands like the Mars Volta or something like that, absolutely get a producer in there. Just absolutely. You have to rein that band in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's well. The Mars Volta is kind of like that that kid with you know ADHD without the medicine. You're just like, what the, <laughs> what's going on? But no, the the other thing that I wanted to mention, and it's it's especially on the, you know the first two albums in the EP, it's it's really prevalent, and that is uh, their play with stereo. Yes, it's fucking awesome and it's one of the things that really got me into audio was having a you know having good speakers to provide a good sound stage with an with an album with, well with with a band like this where they tend to pan left and right uh really really makes a a difference in your listening experience and I think that's part of the reason why I, I really just kind of glommed onto that first EP when I was a kid was that going from left to right in my ears just was so cool. It just close your eyes and just let the music take you away. 
And they, um, at the time, they really did that with more effect than most other bands. Well, yeah, dude. That was out there. When I listened to this on those Infinity speakers that you gave me, yeah, holy crap! So like, I had to like turn. I had to turn completely around and sit right in front of the stereo to have that actual like left speaker. And and you can hear you can hear them pumping different sounds into each channel. Yes. And it is absolutely like it might be really common now, but you have to understand for a record that came out in 98, there wasn't a whole lot of doing this. Like you either you either overdid it. Right. Uh, Like uh, like neurosis where it's like play one vinyl record here and play one here right you know uh but god lives underwater is like now nah, we're gonna go ahead and just keep it on the disc you know like just <laughs> just make it good and yeah so the, the their their play with stereo and i'm really glad you, that you brought that up because um their play with stereo was really really cool and really adds to the atmosphere of the record in a way that i think a lot of bands don't uh and it works extremely well on a professional sound system as well as in headphones the headphones experience it's not diminished in any way agreed yeah, and that's and I think that's the reason why I kind of just got hooked on that uh, with because I had a I had a pretty good pair of headphones that I borrowed from my dad uh, for the trip and had them plugged into a CD player and uh, I bought like a twelve pack of AA batteries so I could just listen the whole time and man just going left and right and how they would just pan it and and not everything panned at the same time and you know you know it was just it's so cool uh, you know to hear that as a kid you know because you really didn't hear anything like that the only other thing that i had ever experienced uh up to that point that was quite like that was the opening to the highlander movie when yeah they're the, when they're rest in the wrestling theater and uh, you know whenever they're circling around the the fabulous thunderbirds wrestling yeah. and it, it would that the sound would pan left to right and it was really uh, an interesting feel and this was the, the only musically was the first thing that I heard since seeing that movie that kind of had that same effect and feel. And, uh, you know, when I'm talking about the effect, I'm talking about the effect that it had on me personally. And it just it just it blew my mind. It, and it just really it really became uh, it made most people when they say, you know, what made you love what band made you love industrial music? Most people are going to say, you know, probably Nine Inch Nails. Uh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with Godflesh. But, you know, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah. And you're welcome. I wish I could have been on that episode too. I really wanted to do Godflesh. Apparently, I have a thing for industrial bands that have God in their name. You Cause do, because God, <laughs> Godflesh is way the frick up there for me as well. Is but, there another uh, God band we can throw in before the end of the month, Joe? I'll have to. I'll have to look into that. Godsmack. No, no. <laughs> industrial band. Industrial band. I, I should have never asked that question. That's you heard that's it here. On, he me, asked guys. the question, and I answered. That's on me, guys. I'm I'm really sorry. <laughs> we we said industrial band. That is I not what he said. He said another band. No, I said another industrial band that started with God. But everybody, I was going to say, everybody knows that in December we talk about industrial or electronic influenced bands. So I said before the end of the month. Now I've explained the joke, which makes it not funny. But <laughs> moving on. Oh, by the way, before we forget, uh, I just remembered the. <laughs> Stop with that. You're making fun of my fingers. I'm in anticipation, man. Yeah. Just All right. lay it now on I, me. 
The movie that the cover of Fame is in is in 15 minutes, that De Niro movie. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I actually, I specifically went to the theater to watch that movie knowing that that song was actually in the credits. It just, I was so excited. You know what's funny about that movie? I have it on Betamax. Oh, sweet, dude. Yeah, I've got, I don't know if my Betamax player works, but maybe one of these days I'll do a stream where I set up my Betamax player and see uh, if we can get anything out of it. But yeah, I, I got a whole collection. I got a whole collection of tapes. And uh, then we have another video where Jeff fixes Dan's Betamax player. Right, right. It's time. It's time, gentlemen. Tea time. Tea time. 2004. Up off the floor aka me mid pogo <laughs> <laughs> um, i don't think it's the soundtrack to that but uh, if you were on a pogo stick i think it would be like the benny hinn uh <laughs> type, of, type of music but you know this record is interesting just for the fact that the band recorded it and then it just sat there on a shelf for like four years yep. or something like that i could be wrong about the actual timeline but uh it sat for a very long time it sat for such a long time in fact that the band had disbanded and pretty much every member had gone on and formed a different band uh based on that and so imagine being a record label trying to pitch this record that drops in 2004 the last release from the band was in 1998 and from what i understand it actually did pretty well what up off the floor yeah uh well for the hardcore fans yeah it was most? considered i mean it was, it, it was considered it sold enough to be considered a, a a success well for the hardcore fans we shat on this record hard yeah hard you know we talked about you know and, and i kind of that's part of the reason why i wanted to talk about the stereo effects yeah the mixing and mastering on this is just shit this is not well, yeah, mixed or mastered band, this is leveled and released the band yeah the band basically broke up the record was on the shelf none of the tender loving care that would have gone into an actual release went into this so yeah Which all sucked. the stuff that you're praising all the stuff that you're praising is more or less absent here yep but that's not what we're here for we're here for are the songs good i'm reminded of 1995 a record called Empty by the band God Lives Underwater. This is just a straight-ahead, industrial, rock-influenced record. It's not as dark as the previous. I'm sure there's something here that maybe didn't have the best intentions, but it's not presented well, so I'm not feeling the effect. That's valid. I, Jeff, Jeff just, like, ready to just explode right out of his chair here. Uh, it, um, is it time for Unpleasable Metal, Jeff? Is it time for unpleasable uh, Godless Underwater, Jeff? Uh, yeah, I'm going to ask. I'm going to start your rant with with a question. Okay. Do you feel like this record is complete or abandoned? Uh, it's a hundred percent fucking abandoned. I mean, they just. I mean, this was like this is a, like if you're going to English class and you're in high school and you have an essay due and you turn in the fucking rough draft. Oof done that a lot of times yeah well you know exactly what i'm talking about that's exactly what this is this is the rough draft i mean is there some good ideas in there sure but would you or should you turn it into your teacher fuck no are you turning it into your teacher because that's all you got yep <laughs> and that's what this is and uh it, it really sucks and you know it, you know as big of a fan as i am of david riley i mean this is just you know the last main thing that he did you know i mean yes he was with floozy and he had some solo work his solo work if you can find it is fucking awesome because he really really get to see his uh his vocal stylings are are really really he the dude actually does have a good voice 
uh, away from the harmonizing and the electronic treatments that, you know, and the industrial treatments that is God, God lives underwater. So, I mean, I love that stuff, but it, it just, it, it's such a, um, such a letdown. And, and I think that's part of the reason why I had such a hard time listening to this is I bought the CD like the day it came out and you think what you hear on the internet is bad oh my gosh i I mean it's so bad the cd is so bad is this a yeehaw giddy up satan moment i was just gonna ask that are we in a are we in a savior machine situation here where the label in order to recoup whatever cost it was just decided to slap together what was there and put it out or did the band give some sort of stamp of approval i you know i don't know because i don't think this was on the same label as this is on locomotive which i'm not even really that familiar with them previous record came out in 1500 and a&m i would say probably that they just bought it i think this record probably got shelved by american and a lot of the times what can sometimes no, it was happen a, it was it was a and m a and m before yeah i thought they were on american uh for the and for empty for uh life it was just Space. it was a&m. Just empty. yeah okay okay well, the, it was empty it was empty in the ep and then a and m had uh, life in the so-called space age and then uh up off the floor was on locomotive which i'm not i i think prong was on that and that's the only band that i know of besides god lives underwater i can think of off the top of my head that were on it but i, I could be wrong i just don't honestly i don't Dude, we need to talk about prong on the show sometime yeah we do yeah we do what's next year look like dan oh next year's looking pretty good man <laughs> i already made the schedule but you didn't hear that from me but um <laughs> you know i didn't really because i didn't really know a lot of that baggage going into it uh, I didn't necessarily have a bad time listening to this record. Uh, I thought it was it was it was more or less enjoyable, um, but it was enjoyable, like Joe said, like like empty. Uh, it was more like empty and and less like life in the so-called space age. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's not it's not complete to me. That's why I asked that question because I was like, it doesn't. It just sounds like. A bunch of ideas like you know joe and i joe and i and another guy wrote basically a whole new record for our band and all we have is a bunch of demos and song ideas and it sounds like somebody took that and just here it is we did it yay it's like the phantom menace right first draft but i i do think that like it's really depressing for me because i feel like this is kind of it's kind of like cold chamber like the, the arc is very similar to cold chamber the first record i felt was like a little bit dry you know and not great and then the second one was like incredible you know and then third one kind of goes back a little bit to the first one (laughs) you know and uh and i I hate that kind of arc because it's a it's a huge step backwards um but i also think it's more forgivable in this case because it sounds like the band really wasn't very interested anyway in in what was being put i mean that record probably hit shelves and these dudes are all in like different side projects in 2004 you know like it, it just doesn't like it doesn't even matter so I don't even, I don't even know what to do with that. Yeah, it's uh, you know, Jeff Terza worked with a lot of people on the production side. Dude was super talented, uh, you know, and David Riley kind of had that haunting voice. You know what happened with Dave, David, David, uh, which really talk about just fucking crazy shit. Yeah, uh, that happened. Uh, dude had an abscessed tooth. Yep, took painkillers for the abscessed tooth so he could go in and get it taken care of. The next day, because of the painkillers, he couldn't feel the blood. That he was bleeding. From yeah, bleeding from the ab- abscessed tooth got into his lungs, 
went into some sort of, you know, arrest, went into a coma and never came out. I mean, talk about just like crazy shit on ways to go. And what other, the other thing that sucked was the guy had finally turned his life around. His fiance had passed. Uh, I don't know if I can't remember if that was drug related. Um, because I, 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 I just I want to remember him in the positive lights, but I I know his fiance had passed away and then he unexpectedly passed away like less than a year after she did. He had a whole bunch of material that he had written uh, that was supposed to come out. I think that's part of what uh, I think there's some bootleg stuff for a solo career that you can hear of that. Yeah, which is really good if you can find it. But trying to find it nowadays is very, 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 very difficult because I think there's only like a there was originally like 100 copies released. So it's just bootlegs because there's no way in hell you're going to get your hands on that 100 copies. Yeah. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's it's just it, it sucks, man. I mean, y- you hate whenever somebody finally gets their life turned around and just like some crazy shit like that happens. I mean, it's just not fair. It's very tragic and definitely put a sour note on me because I didn't even know about that uh, prior to listening to the band, you know, for the for prepping up for the episode. And so whenever I kind of got to that point in the band's history, I was just like, OK, so we're going to end this one on a down note, you know, like it just unfortunately. Yeah, it just bums me out uh, overall. But I mean, at the same time, they did leave behind a body of work. And it's a band that, in my opinion, tragically ends, considering the fact that, like, we live in a world now where a lot of these older bands uh, come back at some point. You know, we've had a lot of bands return and have and have massive comebacks. And it's just always really disheartening when you know that that's never going to be possible, you know, with one band in particular. We talked about David Riley. We got to talk about Jeff Terzo, who's the other guy. Yeah, dude made it. I mean, he he. Oh yeah. I, I mean, fucking made it. Overstayer recording equipment, all that analog shit. Jeff Terzo is the guy who actually created that company. Yeah. So if you don't know about it, I mean, I mean, I, I told you know me, about it. Yeah. Yeah, you know about <laughs> it now. I mean, the dude is fucking awesome. The dude was incredibly talented, and he he was the electronics behind God Was Underwater. So that that was one of the things that I wanted people to make sure of, because I kept talking about David Riley's voice. Yeah. Well, if you loved the industrial and electronic aspects of God Was Underwater, that was that was Jeff Terzo. And if you ever saw these guys live, I mean, it's a two man band for the most part. Yeah, they had there was other you know they would have a bassist, yeah, and a drummer, you know, but. At times, depending on the of when it was, kind of like with Nine Inch Nails, you know, the, the amount of members would fluctuate. So sometimes it would just be two dudes making all that noise, just running around like chickens with their heads cut off. Kind of like Godflesh. Yes, yes, absolutely. Final thoughts on God Lives Underwater. Dan. So this is a band that surprised me. You know, they, they've always been in my, in my brain as a Jeff band, you know, and... Uh, there are tons and tons of bands out there that Jeff and I both equally love. Looking at you, Cannibal Corpse, love you. You know, um, you know, old, old uh, in flames. You know, like stuff like that. And so, Zayo. Jeff and I, Zayo, yeah. But stop, stop derailing me. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the biggest thing is, is that like I heard that first record and I just immediately wrote the band off and was like, eh, eh, empty. Yeah, that sounds about right. You know, like I just. I wasn't, I wasn't like, I wasn't super into it. And, but, you know, so-called Space Age is such a monumental record 
and it had that 90s familiarity to it to where i felt like i must have been listening to this the whole time you know like you, you hear a record but you almost feel like you have deja vu like you've heard it before and maybe i have you know i can't keep track of every record i've ever listened to um and so I thought that these guys had a massive amount of potential. And unfortunately, like a lot of bands like this, as soon as you start getting really good, just the universe can't handle that. It, it, you have to unfortunately have a huge balance, a nice balance of positive and negative things. And uh, for whatever reason, they really didn't continue. And even though they did put a record out after this, uh, obviously it was not what people wanted. So um that sucks but the band doesn't suck the band's actually awesome so uh in that regard i would say listen to the second record you're gonna have a great time and honestly it's kind of enough for me and maybe listen to that first ep just to make jeff happy yes yes thank you jeff what about you well i it's obvious if you can't figure it out already that you know this band them and sunday Day real estate uh, really shaped my teenage years these two those two bands really uh that's what did it for me you know i and you know it really started my love affair with stuff that wasn't necessarily mainstream but it wasn't completely underground it's just kind of on that edge so you're kind of like tight you know tight walk roping uh, between the two and it is uh i don't know just such an important part of my life that i i I love being able to share music and this band, if you can, if you like the kind of music and you've never heard them before, it's such an amazing thing to get into. So especially like for people my age uh, or really from anywhere from like, I don't know, early 30s to about 55, so mid 50s, they can all appreciate because they were all around and probably were listening to, you know, alternative rock stations. And you might hear one, you know, during the 90s, one God Lives Underwater song per week or per month. So they were just, you know, not quite there. And just being able to show people that, yeah, there was some really good music that was just right to scratch a little deeper past the surface. You know, there are some really good bands out there. And then this is one of them. And for me, that's this is the one that I glommed on to it. It, uh, it they made stereo equipment uh, important to me. I, I loved uh, the audio quality that they provided. I, I loved the panning effects that they would do. I just stuff like that. Just, you know, it shaped my listening uh, as an individual, uh, probably more than any other band ever, ever has. So, it, you know, whenever I nerd out about, you know, electronics and hardware, you know, these guys are the ones who started it for me. I mean, they really did. And, and I'm really thankful for that because I love music so much. So I, I feel very fortunate that I had uh, this special connection and they allowed me to, you know, continue with the passion that I love. I mean, and, and these are the guys that started it for me. So yeah, it, for me, it's really special. I love how 90s this band sounds. It's dry, it's electronic, it's melodic. It's got the Alice in Chains feel to it with just a little bit of that Nine Inch Nails and Orgy thrown in in different places. There's not a lot of music here, but what is here goes everywhere from dark and not happy to be here to generally positive there's a lot of emotional swings here but there's not a lot of music for me the third record is a bit of a letdown but it exists the high point for this band is definitely life in the so-called space age but even empty has its place and jeff would say you need to be listening to the ep so go ahead and throw (laughs) that in because there's not 
much more here than that. I think God Lives Underwater lives up to the hype. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. And everybody should be listening to this band. Dan, what's your album of the week? My album of the week, guys, I brought it with me. Oh, did you? Slaughter Cult by Exhumed. I'm ready to get back into the death ground, boys. Yeah, I definitely went a different direction with mine. I have no doubt. (laughs) Jeff, what about you? But I bet you it's a direction that you didn't expect. Although I did go to Europe, so I guess that's not too shocking. So I went with Iconoclast by Heaven Shall Burn. I like it. I do too. And it's weird because I think Dan's rubbing off on me because this is another album or that is lyrically important. I mean, they're they're talking about the Holocaust and World War II. And I'm like, wow, there's some pretty like rough shit in this (laughs) this album. (laughs) Yeah, it is pretty rough. I love that record, though. Yeah, I do too. It's yeah, really, really like, good. I, it's a really good choice, actually. For me, it's Portrait of an American Family by Marilyn Manson. Or Marilyn Manson and the Spooky Kids, depending on when you jumped on. Jump on. Jump on and jump off. Jump on it. Jump on, on, on it. Or oh I'm sorry, get down on it. Get yeah. down on it. That's right. Yeah, what what what's the uh that let me ride that donkey donkey. Let me ride that donkey. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I was thinking when I jump on it. That's what jump on it's from. <laughs> Take us out, DFT. If you've ever been listening to this podcast and thought to yourself, I really wish you guys would talk about a band I want you to talk about. uh, You can absolutely let us know what bands you want us to talk about. A lot of the episodes that we do are done by listener suggestion. And there's a lot of different ways you guys can do that. You can reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash discography discussion. You can find us on Instagram under discuss metal. You can tweet at us at discuss metal. Uh, You can send us an email at danandjoshow at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow me on twitch.tv uh, under Discuss Metal Dan. And, uh, you know, there, there's so many different ways you can get a hold of us. We have a Discord server that you can join and talk to us and other metalheads pretty much 24 hours a day. Um, honestly, there, that's what's so funny is a lot of these conversations will happen on the Discord server like late at night. And uh, w- what ends up happening is like I'll wake up to like 400 messages. I'm like, why are these people awake? But it's not that they're not awake. It's not that they're awake at a weird time. Uh, they're just on the other side of the world. And uh, so if you want to connect with other metalheads on the other side of the world, definitely check out our Discord server. There'll be a link in the show notes that'll take you right there. Uh, if you would like to represent discography discussion on the street, we have a Teespring store uh, where you can order all kinds of sweet discography discussion official merch. We are going to be unveiling a new logo in 2021. So, uh, you know, get the old logo while you can because it's going to go out of style. And on that note, this has been episode 201 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash Discuss Metal. We have some sweet perks. Give me your money. 